Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights, and this is as bad a fire as we... After a wild weekend in Charlotte, it's the Underdog Show. We get Mike McIntyre Jr. and Cameron Foray on. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. Two racers living the Nitro dream and two racers who made a big mark in Charlotte. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip. And at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pentagon, 395-8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans back again with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Coming off a spectacular weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Circle K NHRA 4-Wide Nationals. It was uh, about as highly entertaining a race day or even a race weekend as you can get from Pro Stock Motorcycle Rivalries kind of bubbling up. Steve Johnson uh, Steve Johnson get a little get a little chirpy, which was great. Matt Smith and Angie and Rather Angel, Karen Stouffer. I mean, the amount of talent in that category is overrunning right now, but Steve Johnson is, is riding uh, the best motorcycle of his career and clearly right now the best motorcycle in the class as he won in Houston and then came and backed it up in Charlotte. Uh, we can talk about the Nitro Funny Car category. We will be talking about Nitro Funny Car today with Mike McIntyre Jr., driver of the uh, family-run Mac Attack Nitro Funny Car based out of Ohio. They... Um, they made the final quad, the final quartet, if you will, of funny cars uh, to race the likes of Robert Hyde, John Forrest, and Ron Capps. A great, great underdog story for the weekend. In Top Fuel, we had the underdog story of Cameron Foray, who put in an incredible Herculean effort with his team. We're going to talk to Cameron on this show as well. And Spencer Massey, well, we can't really call him an underdog driver. Uh, Pat Dakin's car is well run. Scott Graham's a great crew chief. They have all the right parts. They don't run the full schedule, but when you put the combination of Spencer Massey in that race car, Scott Graham on the tune-up, if they did not have the issue they had with fuel in the final round, uh, I have a feeling they could have been there uh, in that final round kind of matchup, in that final round sprint to the finish line stripe to pick up a a Wally in Virginia. But it was, by all means, a great race. Mike Salinas, of course, winning in top fuel. uh, His second win of the season, his second win with Rob Flynn as the crew chief, and you know, the seesaw of top fuel is not even a seesaw anymore. I don't know if, if they can build a seesaw with, with, you know, eight or ten legs coming off the side of it as opposed to just two because that's kind of what top fuel looks like right now with, okay, no, Brittany's in control. Okay, no, Justin Ashley's in control. Okay, no, Mike Salinas looks like he's back in control. Okay, no, here comes this car. Okay, maybe this guy's going it, to – it's been unbelievable. And it continues to be unbelievable, and it will be when we get to Virginia and the Virginia Nationals in just a couple of weeks. Make sure you go to NHRA.com to grab your tickets to that event. Um, You know, four-wide racing is now done for the year. We don't do it again until we go back to uh, Las Vegas for the 2023 season. And, you know, the two four-wide races we had in in 22 were were great. I, I don't you know, I know people, some people don't like the format. Some people don't like the fact that it's, you know, more confusing and or different and or sometimes more, you know, jarring, so to speak. But I do feel as though the format produces great and compelling results. I feel as though we saw the cream rise to the top. We saw Steve Johnson have the best bike. We saw Steve Johnson win the race. We saw Mike Salinas drive the best and have uh, inarguably the best car in the final round wins the race we saw john force number one qualifier wins the race so you know there is still a level of normal quote-unquote drag racing stuff that goes on with a four-wide race but it's really everything else that happens underneath that that makes it so fun and makes it so great to watch 
We had a double hole shot advancement in pro stock motorcycle. Um, you know, we had a lot of those little subtle elements that happen at one of these races. The final round of pro mod was, was just nuts. Um, you'll be seeing that on our pro mod broadcast on FS2 coming up soon. Um, but you know, Stan Shelton, first time NHRA Pro Mod uh, competitor, I believe, a, a longtime PDRA racer, a longtime tractor puller. He was the first guy to ever show up uh, with a screw blower now that they've been legalized for NHRA Pro Mod. Lo and behold, he finds himself in the final quad. Had a little bit of a bobble staging the car, which then drew Ricky Smith offside, so to speak. He red lit, which then caused both Chris Thorne and Lyle Barnett to have bizarrely delayed reaction times. And Chris Thorne ends up winning the race. So he is now two for two on the NHRA Pro Modified season, having won both in Gainesville and now in uh, North Carolina. We will have the Pro Modified cars back when we go to Virginia, and uh, that is going to be entertaining. We have the Mountain Motor Pro Stock cars with us in Virginia as well. I think that we looked at a racetrack that was so well prepared. We look at a weather situation on Sunday um, that was very consistent, and that resulted in some really nice racing. And, you know, we saw cars smoking the tires, but not because lanes were bad. It's because they were trying to press and, and beat their opponents. Uh, that's the, you know, the ultimate nature of this business is that management of what is an excessive amount of horsepower. And so the teams that did that the best uh, won. John Forrest, 155 wins. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know even where to begin. Um, number one qualifier. It was a it was a force esque weekend, and and I think and sometimes with John, we maybe fall into the trap of you know is this guy a contender? Is he not a contender? And you know they didn't have the best race car the last couple of races. Obviously, Tim Fabrizi and Daniel Hood have uh, have done a masterful job and did a masterful job in Charlotte to take full advantage in qualifying to run three eighty five one. And then run 385-0. Uh, John captured the track ET record, goes on to capture the track speed record as well at over 335 miles an hour, which was kind of surprising that no one had run that type of speed at Charlotte yet, but he certainly took care of business along with his entire team. So is John Force a championship threat? I think we have to mention that he is. I think we have to mention that when we look at the basic elements of experience, certainly of funding, of drive and determination, it's all still there for the guy. Um, his birthday is happening you know, this week. I think it's actually happening. I'm making this show on Tuesday, May 3rd. His birthday is May 4th. So, um, And he's not done yet. I think there's, there's part of this uh, story that is going to be, how should I say, expanded uh, over the next couple of months or maybe gone into in more depth in the next couple of months. Can't say specific date or time, but safe to be said that this is not going to be John Forrest last season. Not that anybody was speculating that it was, but let's just take that right off the hook now, and we'll all be learning more about that in the coming weeks and months. And, you know, as we mentioned, uh, kind of briefly touched on Top Fuel a minute ago, I, I just, uh, <laughs> where do you start? What is more entertaining than not knowing who's going to win a race week to week? What is more entertaining than that? Every element of this sport has its level of interest, has its level of intrigue. And over the last four seasons, there were times when it was who was going to beat Steve Torrance. There was It was who is going to be the person to step up. And consistently, it wasn't anybody. It was, uh, you know, piecemeal here and there. Somebody would get him. And then there were times when it was just why did anybody else bother showing up? And, you know, Steve went out in the first round in, in Virginia. I'm not hitting the alarms for those guys. They're not hitting the alarms. 
These things happen uh, when we talk about the grit and determination of a, of a championship caliber team, of a four-time back-to-back-to-back-to-back championship team. These are not people that panic. These are not people that make rash decisions regarding their race program because they haven't turned on the last win light of the day in the first six races of the season. Guy's still sitting in number two or three position in the points. He's right there. Will be there the whole year. We know that. So I think that he is still highly competitive, no doubt about it. Brittany obviously has uh, has stepped up to the plate. Uh, you know, one of the big wild cards here, and it's just a matter of time. And we say that in motorsports. We say that in racing. It's just a matter of time. And you know what? Sometimes it isn't a matter of time. Sometimes it never comes to fruition. But when you do the basic drag racing math on uh, Leah Pruitt, her team, the Dodge Power Brokers, Direct Connection, Top Fuel Car, it does seem that it's a matter of time before that's that kind of I'm not going to say gel but it's just that that the the machine and the driver unite themselves on a particular Sunday and and take care of business we've had it on both sides we've seen her really step up to the plate and be spectacular and the car spins the tires or maybe it's back down a little bit we've seen the car be just over the top good and maybe she's a little tardy where she needs to be in the starting line so when you have both of those elements present it's a matter of marrying them together to get the end result and that's kind of the moment that uh, maybe a lot of us are waiting for in Top Fuel. If there's, a, if there's an anticipation at this point in the year of what is to come, I think an Austin Proc win, I think a Leah win, I think a Josh Hart win, um, and then we talk about who's going to win another one. You know, who's going to get that third? Is it going to be Brittany getting a third? Selena's getting a third? Is it going to be Ashley snagging a second after coming close a couple of times? This is um, This is really what it's all about. So, Fantastic action in Charlotte. We go back to wide racing from now until, you know, next, uh, let's say next April, basically, give or take, because that's when we typically run the Vegas race. So all of you guys and girls that do not like four wide racing, you can take a deep breath and relax. we got a long time before we get back there and a lot of good side-by-side drag racing to handle. We're talking underdogs today, and that means it's going to be Mike McIntyre Jr. and Cameron Foray. And Cameron's out in the West Coast, of course. Mike McIntyre from the Buckeye State in Ohio. And I think it's time for us to get talking to Mike McIntyre, get a look back over the course of his weekend. This was a very fun chat. I think you're really going to enjoy this uh, conversation. Mike's a dynamic guy. He's got a dynamic team, and they've even added some sponsors. We're going to talk about all that and more. Here's Mike McIntyre Jr. as we get into talking about his success in Charlotte. All right, so our first guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast, one of our two underdog guests this week, Mike McIntyre Jr. Big time stuff, man, making that final quad down in Charlotte. Unreal, man. Couldn't have asked for, uh, honestly, a better weekend, well, better race day, actually. Qualifying, we struggled quite a bit, but it, it, it all came together on race day. When was the last time you guys had the car out before Charlotte? Uh, the second Charlotte last year, so September, late September, early October, I believe, and yeah, so it was, uh, do seven runs in a weekend, I mean, we've never done that, first of all, and it was, uh, <laughs> quite the kickstart to the year. <laughs> I bet it was, and I'm guessing, you know, after, let's say after even the first day of qualifying, kind of getting everybody back into the swing of things, and, and as you mentioned, it wasn't like the car was on fire or sideways, it was just trying to get it down the racetrack and qualifying, but but after the first day, you make two hits, did everybody kind of look at each other and think, man, we got to get our, our, gotta get our like, muscles back in order here, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, my guys, they're, they're, all, they're all my buddies, and they have full-time jobs, so this is just, you know, we do this for fun and uh it, yeah we were everybody was whooped <laughs> and uh we you know me and one of the guys matt he's uh my car chief matt Cayley. 
we put in a ton of hours before the race. I mean, we, you know, we had all winter to get it ready, but of course you wait to the last minute in typical <laughs> drag racer style. And, uh, you know, just, you know, red label and everything in and, you know, work, you work it all day at, at the normal job then work until midnight, one, 2 AM every day before. And it was just, it was a thrash to get there. And, uh, you know, the qualifying didn't really go as well as we had hoped for. Um, cause we kind of ended the year on a, on a good note. The yeah. car was really trying to run good and, you know, but, we're drag racers. We, we put new stuff in, we change stuff and try to make it better. And, you know, you got to take a couple steps backward to go further forward. And, you know, it looked like, uh, I think I'm pretty confident going into Richmond. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great thing too. I want to talk about in a couple of minutes, but you know, one of the things that, uh, that we noticed, of course, your pit area, Aaron Brooks has really been, you know, kind of hired full time by Doug Foley. So you guys had Tony short all working with you. And I know he and Aaron go way back and I'm sure Aaron probably had some, some input over the course of the weekend, but how was it working with Tony? That guy is a, uh, that guy's a veteran. Oh, Tony, Tony's great. You know, Aaron and Tony, I love both those guys. Um, you know, Aaron got us off the ground with this thing when we when we first built it. You know, and uh, you know, Aaron Aaron's he's just Aaron and, and Tony. You know, they're they're polar opposites, um, personality <laughs> wise, and they get along so well. They work so well together, and I mean, they're just they're a blast. I mean, we have so much fun with the two of them. Now, on race day, you know, we, you talked about going through qualifying and, and kind of getting guys back into the swing of things. Well, obviously, the intensity level on race day comes up, you know, about 3,000%, especially when you get past that first round. And obviously, NHRA has, was, was worried about weather coming in the afternoon, so they they'd kind of compressed all the timelines. We started a little earlier. It seemed like they had you guys in a pretty tight turn. So how was the rhythm of the crew when you actually had to turn the car around a couple of times on Sunday? You know, they did an amazing job. Uh, first round, the second round, it was it, no hiccups, you know, and, and fortunately we, you know, Tony and Aaron, we didn't hurt anything, yeah. you know, there. So it was just a normal service and, uh, the guys just did, they did, they did a phenomenal job. We, we had plenty of time. We we're able to fire, just do our normal deal. Now from two to the finals, it was, it, it was a little bit crazier and fortunate. We, we were fortunate that Doug Foley's guys, you know, came over and, we had about four of them in there giving us a hand and, and just got it knocked out. And we still were able to fire the car and uh, kind of do our normal deal. And we were, pre- we were real confident that, you know, we, we had a good race car for the finals. Yeah, and listen, uh, car goes out there, it spins the tires. That's kind of the nature of the business. And obviously, you look across the racetrack at who you were trying to show down with in that final round. It wasn't like you could go up there soft, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. We looked at, you know, the, the every round, you know, you look at everybody who you're running against. It's just you're just really happy to even be there. You know, I, I we started as as fans of this deal, and and I still am a fan of, of drag racing. And these guys, they're you know, John racing John Force, Robert Height, and Caps in the final. I mean, come on, does it get any better than that? You know, it's just it's crazy. I got out of the car, and they're at the at the top end, and I'm I'm still starstruck. You know, I had to go up to them, tell them it was a dream to even run against them in the finals. So it's just it was super cool and. Yeah, I mean, we just feel like we got a lot of momentum and, and, and just real happy with that outcome of last weekend. Yeah, and, and reality is, I mean, how, how not just financially, but psychologically and, and confidence-wise and everything else, how important is it to, to leave there with not just making the final round, but but a car that's going down the racetrack and really not harming itself? I mean, to me, that seems like for for guys that run out of your position, family-based team, you know, and again, you brought on Coyote, Coyote Tractors, which is fantastic, the tractor dealership that was also supporting you. But at the yes. end of the day, how important is it to roll out of the gate on, on Monday morning or Sunday night knowing that the stuff you have is still in one piece? 
Oh, you know, it, it's huge. And just the way everybody gelled this weekend, you know, making those extra runs. And, and for me, it was big. I've, I've never made that many runs in a weekend. I mean, I think the most in the day, me personally, in, that, in this car, we've only made two runs, you know. So yeah. getting three in a day, you just get more comfortable. Because after qualifying, I was going, man, I don't even know if I can drive one of these things anymore. Like, it was just, <laughs> it's just you get in it, it's not doing what it wants to do, and it's just angry and everything else. And and uh, to get two real good runs in a row in eliminations and uh, going to the finals and all that, it, it was just, I think it's huge for everyone. You know, the guys working on the car, uh, even Tony and Aaron, you know, they got some good data. And uh, and for me especially, just getting more and more seat time and, and just trying to get better at doing this. You know, we talk a lot about the, you know, the, the four wide format for drivers and everything else. And, you know, the sound that you guys, you know, typically if you're racing somebody in a, another single car, you can hear if somebody's with you or they're not. Uh, describe that that aspect to you, because uh, obviously some of these guys have been doing it for 10 years. You have fewer runs uh, under your belt in a four wide format than them. So when you advanced out of round one and two, one, could you glance up and see a scoreboard? Did you see a wind light or did you have to get told at the top end that you moved on? You know, first round, I had no idea. You know, I, I didn't think we had, had had won that round because it was, you know, it was it ran real good. And I know whoever was in the left lane, I think it was Paul Lee. Um, he didn't make it down. I knew we beat him, but I had no idea where the other two cars were. Yeah. And I came around the corner, and usually it's a good indicator at the four wides, like which way they direct you to go to or from the cameras. <laughs> yep. And I think it was backwards from the second race in the fall. So I'm like the third spot over from where I thought I should. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, whatever. We made a full pull, but we got beat. And I got out of the car. And actually, it was one of Hagen's guys that told me, like, hey, good job. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'm like, did we win? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. So it was like crazy time then, you know. Yeah, that's so fantastic. It, oh, yeah, yeah. It was good because I didn't I didn't see the uh, – I missed the, the light, the wind light down there. And uh, I saw it in round two, though. <laughs> so I was looking for it. But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's definitely different. I, I personally, I don't really hear the other guys. You yeah. only hear them when you're dead late on the starting line. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't E2. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, it, I, I don't really mind the four wide. I mean, we've had, we've gotten all of our round wins at four wide events. Um, yeah. And, uh, I like it. You know, I, I like Charlotte and uh, I think we're, we were even talking, you know, going crazy talking about, we got to go, go hit the Vegas four wides next year. You know, so it's just, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, the, both of them drive, you're like, obviously, you know, big crowds, you had a ton of fans uh, around your trailer. Every time we'd come down to talk to you, you could see people kind of lined up at the rope, but you know, there's a lot of old guys that say, Oh, it's awful. This is bad, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, the proof's in the pudding. People show up to watch. Oh yeah. And you know, I've, I've had people, you know, same thing, you know, for white, it's a lot going on. I go, it is, it is a lot on TV to, to watch, but in person it, it is, there's nothing else like it in the world. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. The first four white I went to, I was helping Dakin and I, I, I was on the starting line. I mean, it, it was just, I, I it's almost, lost, it's, a, it's like painful i mean there, there is like it's so loud because i try to describe that to people back when i used to work on a starting line where it's like you think nothing is louder than two of these things running and then there's four of them and it's like it doesn't matter what you get shoved into your ears i mean your fillings like get that weird rattly feeling in your in your face i mean it's crazy oh yeah in the, in the chest it almost knocks you down it's yeah. nuts it's it's wild so you guys are going to run Virginia, which is great. I mean, this is uh, it's nice to come out of a race. We got one weekend off, and then we go right back at it at uh, at VMP. So, uh, when did you guys make that decision? And was part of that decision because of the uh, the nice clean runs you had in Charlotte? Um, you know, it was we, we put that on the schedule from the get go this year, and uh, I just was waiting to enter just to make sure that you know we didn't tear too much stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to have to pull out, you know. So yeah. 
being that we were uh, we, the parts, we didn't really hurt much. We just have to service a bunch when we get to Richmond. But uh, you know, it yeah, it it just keep on going on on this on the track with the plan and and uh, should be good. Hey man, it was neat to see the uh, like I said the Coyote Tractors uh, logo on the hood of the car and the the tractor dealership you guys were or were supporting you on the on the spill plates back there. How did that come about? Obviously, your color your car's color matches Coyote perfectly, right? Those guys are they're, they're both an orange tractors. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a ma- it's like a match made in heaven. We uh, the, it, it's Spear Tractor Sales, and they're they're here local to us, and they they're the largest Coyote dealer in the country. And uh, my my father actually bought a tractor from them a couple years ago, and him and the owner became friends. And the owner reached out to us at the beginning of the year and said, "Hey, I kind of want to do something," and it kind of escalated from there. And and hopefully we can uh, we got them on for the year, both the companies, and uh, hopefully we can uh, just grow together and and maybe maybe do this a little bit more. Yeah, that's spectacular. That's kind of the way it's supposed to work. I mean, it's a, it's a great story that came out of a. I mean, when you when you can turn a tractor purchase into a sponsorship agreement, that's that's a win. <laughs> that's yeah. a huge win. Yeah, oh yeah, it's cool. You know, it's a big family. It's a family run company, and they're a lot like us. And it's just, uh, it's great. Local. Um, we're gonna have them all out to Norwalk, and and it's just it's a good deal. No, it's great, man. And and you know, one of the things I mentioned on the show when we were talking about you know you guys turning the car around from the semis to the finals, I think it's important. And we, we I've had you on the podcast uh, ages ago when you kind of first were rolling out with the with the Camry. But you know, it's like, I, I, and actually, I don't even know how many of the guys that are with you now were with you when you were running the nostalgia stuff. You know, uh, quite a few. We've, okay. we've everybody that was with me on the nostalgia cars is still here, and we've of course had to add a few guys. Yes. Yep. And. Um, yeah, it, it's really good. I think, honestly, out of the core group from the Nostalgia Car, I think I, we only had to add about two, three guys. And, uh, yeah, everybody just gels so well together. I mean, because we, we used to turn around the Nostalgia yeah. Car almost the same way. You know, there's just a little bit more stuff on this big show car. But, uh, yeah, it worked out. You know, they, the, my guys, are they're just awesome. They're, they're so good. And what was their overall feeling of pride in the on, on Sunday afternoon? I mean, there they had to have been some good old-fashioned backslapping going on, and, and rightfully so. Oh yeah, we everybody. You know, I mean, we're we're all still riding the wave. We're all everybody's good. You know, you're so beat up after the weekend, and it stinks so bad to go back to work on Monday. But this time, this Monday, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> well, that's great, man. That's great. And and yeah, the point I was making on the show is that that these guys, as much as they are, you know, quote unquote, just a bunch of local guys working on a funny car, they are experienced, and and that turnaround process because of the the nostalgic experience you guys had and how high a level you ran that car at, you know, it, it translates over nicely. Like you said, this thing is a little more work, requires a couple more sets of hands, but at the end of the day, you're, you're doing a lot of the same work and have to do it at the same kind of level of precision. So, man, it was great. It was absolutely great to watch, and, uh, you know, I, I, I say this with all sincerity, you're a fun guy to have on camera when we did the, the, the spot with you in the pits and you're all covered in clutch dust and everything else it was uh, it was cool <laughs> yeah you know we did that and i turned around and aaron brooks was standing there and he goes man you got clutch dust on your face ask him to airbrush that out for you you know <laughs> big, being big time and it, it was no it, it's great and uh man we love being there it's it's just there's nothing like it you know we're living our dream honestly it's it's just so cool one final compliment i'll tell you this that uh two guys from from different racing worlds one guy who is a um a guy involved in motorcycle like you know motorcycle road racing type stuff uh, is also a fan of the sport he was watching the show and another guy who's involved in the indycar series broadcast was also watching our show on sunday night and i'm not kidding you both of them sent me independent messages that said there's no other motorsport on earth that creates the kind of storylines that you guys have. And both of them said, if anybody out there was not rooting for the kid that was covered in dust and 
uh, they're they're in the wrong sport. And I thought it was fantastic that both of these guys kind of recognized the story. That is that is super cool. Like, there's really no words for me, for, you know, about that. That's just that's awesome. That's awesome. We're just going to try to keep it up and and then uh, see where it goes. Well, Mike, congratulations on the uh, Charlotte success. Take a deep breath, get a little sleep this weekend, and then uh, you're going to be putting all the boys back to work in Virginia. And that's a that's a fast racetrack. Have you ever run there? It's a beautiful surface. You know, we ran their uh, IHRA back uh, when they were running the World Finals there, and uh, that was one of the things I told told my guys on the way home. You know, uh, Sunday night, I go, man, I remember it being so smooth. So should be good. Mike McIntyre, the driver of the McIntyre Toyota Camry, carrying that uh, Coyote sponsorship for the tractor is great. We will see you in Virginia. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. So after a great conversation with Mike McIntyre Jr., we turn our attention to the second Major League underdog story of the four wide nationals down in Charlotte. Cameron Frey, how you doing, man? Hey, how you doing, Brian? What's happening? Uh, man, not as much as what's happening for you. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm sure they haven't been able to get the smile off your face yet. Oh man, no! You're gonna have to you're gonna have to chisel it off my face after uh, <laughs> after uh, World Wind Weekend that I just had, and it was uh, you couldn't ask for anything better. That is for sure. I mean, well, maybe maybe a couple tenths of a second faster, you know, <laughs> change the outcome a little bit. But hey, a runner-up finish to all those amazing competitors is is phenomenal. You know, before we get into the the adventure that was uh, the happy adventure that was your race weekend, I want to go over a couple other uh, a couple other things that kind of led up to this and and kind of get yeah. get kind of understand where your head's at but you know obviously coming into this year in the off season everything was looking great last minute uh you have uh, what you thought was a pretty solid sponsor kind of kind of pulled the plug on you at the last possible most inconvenient second <laughs> and one of the things i wanted to ask you is you know these experiences as painful as they are and, and you've had a few man you've had a few where you've yeah. worked your ass off and just at the very last second what hasn't come through but they have to really kind of toughen you up and they have to build some sort of character i gotta believe you know, they, they do. And it's, I keep, you know, I, I will, I won't lie. It, it is very hard. You know, you, you work your whole life to do something and then you think you have everything rock solid and, and you, so you kind of not really like put on yourself on cruise, but I didn't work as hard as I did on, as I would have on sponsorship if I wouldn't, if I would have known I didn't have a sponsor. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so you kind of, it, it was a huge blow and I was super bummed out. And, but like you said, I've been through this before and every time it happens, it, you do kind of get stronger and, and I kind of told myself after, you know, I, I had my, my bummer couple days or whatever. I said, you know what? It's, it's business. And I, I went to college for marketing. I know how all this stuff works. It had nothing to do with me. It was, it was a numbers thing. They, they loved me. They loved what we did. They loved the NHRA. You know, it just was unfortunately a numbers thing with, with the company that they, you know, are doing some changes and, you know, management changes and things beyond my control. And so I just had to kind of let it go and say, you know what, you know, if it comes back around, you know, they did say if, if they ever want to get back into drag racing, I'm their guy. So, you know, you, you just keep the relationship positive and, you know, you just, you just move on from it and, and do your best to, to take that. I wouldn't say, you know, aggression or, you yeah. know, sadness, but you take that as, as kind of fuel to your fire and, you know, just, work your butt off to go try to find some some new stuff you know and, and luckily you know i have amazing associate partners that have you know a lot of these companies have been with me for a very very long time like jbs equipment justin bond is somebody that uh you know he's i can't tell you how much he's done for me you know throughout my career and he wanted to see me succeed and he wants to help me so 
uh, you know, a handful of those, you know, you group a couple of those together, which allowed us to, to do a race. And, you know, I kind of was I, halfway joking when I, when I told some people, like even in the press release, that, you know, we got some unfinished business with this Peyton team. And, you know, I'm going to show everybody what we can do. And <laughs> it was kind of awesome to put your money where your mouth is at that point and, and do and do so great. So, you know, it kind of worked out. My sales pitch kind of worked. So, yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's one thing. And, and to just put a cap on that point, you really you have two options, I guess, when something like this happens. And then option one is you get angry and you curl up into a ball and you just kind of throw your hands up. And the second option is what you what you did, which is to put your head down and, and kind of go back to work. And I guess the last question I want to ask you is, kind of in this topic is where does that come from in you? Because there's been more people that have had this happen to them that have just walked away or given up or curled up in a ball than have done what you did, which is to, and have done multiple times, which is to carry on and, and really kind of come out ahead in the end. You know, I, this sounds really weird, but you know, my whole life I've never, i you know, I didn't come, a lot of people know my story and you know, I, I don't come from a racing family. And so all this stuff has always been something that I've, I've needed to go find or, you know, my mom always told me, you know, even as a kid, John Forrest isn't going to knock on your door and say, come drive my race car. You know, you got to go find it. You got to go find those opportunities. And I always tell myself that I, I don't feel like I've put my stamp on drag racing just yet. I mean, I've had success in sportsman cars and even now in top fuel and things like that. And I've, I'm super grateful and super lucky for everything that I've been given, but I'm not ready to put my stamp on it yet. And I've never failed at anything in my life, which sounds really weird, you know, but you know, you struggle and you work and, you know, but you've always seemed to come, I always seem to come out ahead at some point. Sure. It may take me a little longer than others, but, and I just don't feel like I'm successful enough in drag racing yet to move on. (laughs) So I keep, I use that as my like, Hey, we're not done yet. We got things to do here. So, and you know, luckily the good Lord blesses me with the sheer determination to, to, you know, there's no quitting in, in, in this, uh, this brand here. And, you know, I always say quit, never heard of him. <laughs> you know, we saw you, we saw you in Terry Haddock's car a couple of races ahead of the Charlotte race. And I'm, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. or I'm wondering kind of how much did that, uh, kind of just short-term experience make you more comfortable getting into the Peyton car in Charlotte? I mean, if you were coming in completely cold, I'm guessing it'd be at least a little bit different, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's just like being uh, being a hockey player, a baseball player, you know, you don't want to sit in the dugout. And, you know, luckily, Terry, you know, Terry and I, you know, I drove for him for a full year in 2019. And, you know, we have a great relationship. And, you know, he built that new car. And, uh, you know, he he's trying to get it to where he can, he can lease it out to people that want to get their license and kind of live the dream and, you know, maybe do a race or two here and there. But he wants to make sure it's dialed in for those people so yeah. they don't, you know, have these learning mistakes or whatever. So he hit me up and said, Hey, I know you're not driving right now, but you know, are you interested? I know you got stuff going on with the Peyton's, but um, you know, can you drive? And I, my wife was racing super comp and at Vegas and I said, yeah, you know, I'd love to help you out because I appreciate everything he's done for me, you know, in the past. And yeah. it turned in from Vegas and then it went to Houston and, you know, it potentially could be, um, you know, another one or two, you know, here later in the year. It just, uh, it just depends on, you know, what he's looking to do. And, and, the more laps he gets on the car, the better it is. And, you know, as you can see in, in Houston, you know, it went uh, a low 90 and that's kind of what he's looking for. And unfortunately we got bumped out by buddy, but it's all good. You know, it's still, uh, you know, laps down the track. And like I said, it, it, I'm really grateful. It's really, really, really hard to, 
you know, get opportunities in these cars as people know. So, you know, anytime that you can step on the gas of a top fuel dragster, it's a, it's a blessing and uh, I'm very grateful for it. And I take every, every lap uh, as a learning experience, regardless if it's, if it's a, a quote unquote test lap or, you know, we're, we're going for, for Wally's. So. And, you know, the Peyton partnership has showed itself to be really great for you and, and really great for them. I mean, we really saw it come into its own and kind of blossom at the end of last year. So first question on that front is, is why is it such a good partnership? And obviously it's a good race car and, and Todd's a great guy. And of course, his dad, Barry's a, a legend in his own right. But what makes this work so well between all of you? You know, I don't I don't really know, but there is definitely some magic there. There's, you know, Todd and I, you know, to go back a little bit, a lot of people may not know, Todd and I worked at Race Pack together for 11 years, and, you know, we were like brothers, and uh, we developed a really good relationship outside of, you know, the starting line, and, uh, you know, that kind of blossomed into, you know, I, a lot of people also don't know I got my license in Top Fuel in the Peyton's car. I got my first career round win in the Peyton's car. It's just this mojo that just kind of keeps blossoming and getting better and better as we water it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ready to give it up, and I don't think Todd is too. You know, everybody talked over the weekend. They said, you know, they kind of asked the same thing. Man, every time Cameron gets in this thing, you guys are going rounds and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, career best. And, you know, it's just it's good chemistry. We all have a great time. The crew is awesome. The crew has been together. Um, that group of guys and gal um, have been together for a very long time and, and they know what they're doing. And that's, that's a big thing when you're, when you're trying to sell something and, you know, show people out in corporate America or whatever it may be like, Hey, you know, this is what we want to do. And we're not, we're not just here to be a weekend warrior. Like this is a full on legit situation. And, you know, we're ready to, to show everybody that. So, and this was a field that obviously you had to work to qualify for. I mean, this was a oh, you, yeah. you qualified at 385, and you know, the quickest field in top fuel history is 377 and change as far as the bump spot. And we were only two cars away from that, so um, this was not something you just kind of waltzed in and knew you were going to be racing on Sunday. Now, you took the you took full advantage of not having to make the, the Q4 run. You guys were in line, you were loaded up and ready to go in the event you were bumped out. And to me, this just goes back to racing smart, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, our biggest thing is we're trying to, you know, right now, obviously, you know, again, not to be a broken record, everybody knows that we don't have huge funding. So we're just trying to race within our means. And, and if that means we have to sit out a session, unfortunately, sure, we want to make every single lap and, you know, win every single race. But, you know, sometimes you just got to take a step back in order to take a step forward. And, you know, we were, we were, you know, ready to rock and roll if we needed to make the lap. But, you know, we have a set amount of parts in the trailer and, you know, we needed those on Sunday. So, and if, you know, if we didn't need to make the lap, you know, by all means, we were just going to kind of, you know, sidestep it a little bit. And, you know, John Stewart, Stewie, he's, uh, you know, been tuning the car for a long time. And he actually also tunes Kyle Wurtz's car. <laughs> so we were joking. We were giving him a bunch of grief. You know, we said, hey, well, at least we can all justify that, uh, you know, there's no favoritism being shown here. You, uh, you, you throw down in whatever car it is because we ran exactly the same thing, which was really cool. And, you know, Stewie's a great guy and a great tuner. And I'm super grateful that, uh, you know, he's willing to, you know, put it down for us. And speaking of putting it down, you made your best run of the weekend in round one. You go down there and you, you <laughs> qualified 85, you run 84 in the first round to advance. So, again, it's not like all of a sudden you looked around and three other cars had exploded and you had magically made the second round. You raced your way there. Oh, heck no. You know, that was our biggest thing. You know, we were we were all about, you know, let's go down. We know we can't go a 70, but we can go a low 80 or a high 70. And, you know, if we do that multiple times and let everybody else make mistakes, you know, we might be there for the taking. And, and uh, that plan sure worked, and it was it was awesome. You know, we just went 
went down the track, you know, and that's the biggest thing. You're not going to win races if you're smoking the tires and you go A to B and it, it just showed, you know, I mean, yeah, in the final, you know, unfortunately it dropped a hole and pitched the belt off and went like, I think it was 92 or 98 92. or whatever. Yeah, it went 92. But I mean, if it would have stayed hooked up, you know, we would have, we would have been right there. If there was, you know, one little mishap from, from Mike or, you know, any of the other competitors, we would have been there for the taking. So, you know, you got to be in it to win it. And, you know, luckily, uh, with the Peyton team, you know, we're, uh, we're as of, as of right now, we're, we're in it more often than we're not. So, you know, it's, it's a great car and a great team. And I'm super grateful for the opportunities. From a personal standpoint, you have been in final rounds of national events. You've won in final rounds yep. of national events, but not in a top fuel car. So that's that's my <laughs> next question is, okay, you get up, get through round one, high fives, back slap, and everybody's happy. You get through round two, and does the attitude change? Does the electricity in the pit area change? Does the crowd at the ropes change? I mean, what, what changes between that second round and the final? Oh, man, it's just everybody just, the intensity just gets that much more crazy. And, you know, every you can just tell. And when... I call it, it sounds really lame, but I call it like getting in my zone. Like once I, once I hit that level, it's just like, there's, I feel like I get this aura over me. that's like, nothing's going to stop me. And, and it didn't, you know, it just, things were happening. You know, we had some, some issues with a, a block. They were torquing the heads, um, after first round and they had to pull a motor again after they had just serviced it because it ripped one of the head studs out of it. Um, when they were torquing it down. So, you know, they're putting in another mode and everybody's like, oh my gosh, are you going to make it? I'm like, yeah, I have all the confidence in the world in this team. And, you know, they, they knocked it out of the park. And then again, going into the final, yes. they had to do the same thing. <laughs> so they, they were joking. They, they serviced the car 18 times and, you know, we only made six laps. And, uh, so, <laughs> which was, which was kind of almost true, you know, but it's, once you get to in, in there into it and, you know, you feed off of their energy and the fans energy and, you know, the, the TV cameras and all that stuff, it just, that's that's almost the weirdest part is you you get to the end of the day and you're like i was flying home on the plane and i was i looked at my wife and i was like is this real life like did, that, <laughs> did all that just happen like this was literally like the best day ever and like you almost take a second and you just kind of have to like detox because you're just like man like that is like you know it's everything all wrapped into the, yeah it's all wrapped into it's your whole existence wrapped up into this five hours you know and, <laughs> that's and it's what's crazy. i told i told my wife i said you know we've literally worked our whole lives for this moment you know and we're we're flying at home on this amazing plane and you know all these things and we're just like whoa you know like this is so cool so it, it was it was really cool and it was great to have my wife there unfortunately my kids um, you know, stayed home with grandma and grandpa and I'm grateful for them, but, uh, you know, we missed them out there, but it was, it was really cool. My mom sent me a video of my son saying, daddy won, daddy won. He's going to the next round. It was, it was in, when you get something like that from a text message, it's like, okay, you know, I've melted and now we're just, now I'm bound to determine to continue. <laughs> you know, and, and I want to bring Scott Palmer into this conversation because obviously you have the problem with the main stud and, and mm-hmm. the head studs, the head stud problem's bad. You get that, you get that fixed and, and you thrash through it. Then the main stud problem happens and there had to have been at least a moment in there that you went, oh no. Yeah, I, there, there was, and, and every, and then I looked up, I, I literally told myself, I'm like, oh man, are you kidding me? You know, because when I, if I rewind when I got my first round win at Charlotte with the Peytons years ago, we weren't able to make second round because we heard it really, really bad and there just wasn't enough time. So I was like, not again. And then I looked up and I see all Palmer's team there and they're literally wheeling a motor from their trailer over to it. They're like, if you need it, here it is. Just throw it. We're going, let's go, let's go, you know? And you know, I'm like, okay, yep. After that, I just, I just blocked that out and I said, we're, we're doing it. 
you know, and then it didn't go in reverse and in the final. And, you know, I, I kind of thought I was going to be like, Oh man, what, you know, Oh no, not me, you know, but I was super calm and I just said, they're just going to push me back and all we need is forward. We don't need reverse. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Scott is such an interesting guy and, and he's been such an incredible addition to top fuel and uh, in his own right. And then when he said, you know, Alex in his car and, and he always seems to be the guy that when somebody is in dire need of something, he's always there kind of with it. And it's, cool. it's kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but he is a, such a unique personality in this sport and so willing to help out, especially he has all the sympathy in the world for guys like you, right? Cause he's raced like this his whole life. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I was just gonna say. Like he, he gets it. You know, you know some of these teams and some of the some of the things that happen out there. You know, they they have these huge corporate sponsorships and they're not allowed to help other teams and this and that. And you know, Palmer's the kind of guy that says, "Well, if that's the case, I don't want you to sponsor me." Type of a guy, you yeah. know. And and that's amazing because that's how this sport lives and thrives on is people like Scott and the Paytons and myself and, you know, sure, we all want the big, huge corporate sponsorship and that's what we're working for so we can keep doing it for a living. But, you know, sometimes it's, you got to help your brother or sister out, you know, and, and he's the first guy always to be there. And, you know, not only him, but his team is, is, you know, they're all super great people and I'm super, you know, indebted to them and, you know, appreciate them. And we would be doing the same thing if, if it was them, you know, yeah. on the reverse, you know, the, it's, it's just, it's a small family when it comes to, comes to that. And, you know, I got to say, you know, thanks to other, other teams too, you know, and the Torrances were over there, you know, a lot of people were over there. Hey, are you guys okay? Are you good? If you need anything, you holler, you know, cause it was, and that was one of the coolest parts of it and seeing so many people be within, you know, the top fuel family being so happy for myself and the Paytons. It was, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It really is phenomenal. And, and, you know, to this point or at this point, what is the outlook for the rest of the season, short term, long term? I mean, what uh, what what can we expect, or what can we hope to expect to see uh, to see you guys out again? I will definitely be back behind the wheel of the Peyton vehicle here pretty shortly. Our goal is to uh, to put together something for uh, for Bristol, and uh, you know maybe a handful you know towards later into the year. Um, just we're like I said, we are working on a lot of sponsorship stuff. Um, this has kind of opened a couple doors for us so far. Now that I got my cell phone back, <laughs> I'll be on it trying to uh, back from the rental car. I can you know get on it and you know get on the horn and see see what we can do. Obviously, you know when before all this kind of, you know, went to, we had planned on doing 10 races this year with our, with our previous deal. So, you know, we were ready to go. And, you know, this, this was actually the first race on, you know, first real race on the six disc clutch. You know, we invested in, in all the stuff we needed and, you know, everything was good. So, I mean, we're, we're ready to go and, you know, we'd be, you know, Todd said, heck, if we can get the funding, we'll do them all if we can, you know, so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, finding that right partner that, that believes in, you know, not only myself, but the Paytons. And, you know, I think it's, it's something that, uh, somebody out there listening one of these days is going to say, Hey, you know what? These, uh, these kids need a chance. And, uh, I have a feeling they're going to be, you know, badly surprised, uh, you know, when that happens, but yeah, I mean, Bristol and then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after that. When in, in the first half of the show, when I talked to Mike McIntyre Jr., you know, one of the things we landed on was was this idea of rolling out of the gate on Sunday or or Monday with an intact race car. Now, obviously, you had the the, the block issues, but but in terms of making clean runs, that was another signature part of this event. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and we actually licensed uh, we licensed a gentleman on Monday in the car. I wasn't there. I had to get back to, to teaching. But uh, the the team stayed. They thrashed all night, got it all back together, and, and went three ninety at three oh seven on Monday. So I mean, it's it's great that the thing just goes up and down the track, and you know, and hurting minimal stuff. And and that's what can kind of keep the the ball rolling. You know, if you go out there and you nuke it every time and you got nothing left, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make it short lived. But if we can, you know, prolong our parts and you know conserve them enough to, to go out there and put on a good showing and and uh, you know not throw parts on the ground, that's that also helps with in the sponsor hunt as well. You know, I got to say, it just from where I'm sitting and and having this conversation with you, and of course watching how uh, how you guys race so well together, I, I got to feel like you're on the edge of something right here, man. It, <laughs> it, it really does, and it sounds corny to say it, it sounds lame, but it just seems to me like that there is going to be the good ending to this story, and and certainly this was a this was a fantastic chapter to write. Absolutely, and I, I sure hope you're right, and uh, I'm I'm ready to ride that wave. You know, I, I told my wife. Uh, when we got home, I said, you know, as, as wild and crazy as this was and, and enjoyable and the ups and the downs that we've been dealing with. And, you know, cause I was in a pretty sad, dark place at the, you know, come the end of January, a couple months ago and to go from that to this, and I don't, I'm not ready to give up. And, and I have a feeling, like you said, there's, there's a glimmer here and, uh, I think it's going about, about to blossom into something pretty darn huge. No, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. And it's, uh, I guess every once in a while we, you know, we hear these stories, whether it's even, you know, you can go all the way back, not to be overly dramatic about it, but you go all the way back to guys like when Force is trying to claw his way to get something done and he'd, and he'd perform well. And that would just give him just that little bit more oomph to get something going and, and look, mm-hmm. look what's happened to him. So Cameron, it's been a, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. And, uh, you can listen to Cameron Frey on the racers and rental cars podcast. He's got his own show right. up there. You should definitely pay attention to that. You get a, a really great firsthand account of his weekend, but I appreciate you taking the time and talking to us here on the insider and look forward to seeing you down the road man congratulations on the weekend sounds good my pleasure thank you guys so much and uh we'll see you at the at the next one and that will bring us to the end of this episode of the nhra insider podcast two feel-good stories two feel-good racers two feel-good finishes for both mike mcintyre jr and cameron foray congratulations to our winners down there in charlotte north carolina of course steve johnson and pro stock motorcycle mike salinas and top fuel and the unsinkable john force and nitro funny car we'll be back next week with another show talking about virginia and our return to virginia motorsports park for the first time since 2019 the nhra virginia nationals are on tap thanks for listening everybody go to nhra.com to get your virginia nationals tickets today and don't forget epping's on the way as well you can grab your epping tickets at nhra.com too. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans and I'll be back next week.